Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, we are halfway through our summer sermon series on faith. And you say, whole, <laughs> whole summer on faith? Yeah. Because if you remember, the very first week, we saw that faith is essential. We talked about essential faith, that without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. You can go ahead and hit that next slide there, if you would. It is essential. It is crucial. And it isn't essential just the day you come to know Jesus. It's essential each and every day of your Christian life after that. Faith is essential. It really, really matters. And so we, we looked early on, we looked at the life of Noah and saw that faith is also obedient. Uh, that's very much a part of faith. The idea is we're believing what God says and then we are acting on what God says. Then we, we looked at Abraham's story and saw that uh, faith is visionary. In other words, it enables us to be able to see things differently, see things differently than we did before, maybe see God's big picture. And let that motivate us and encourage us. And then we saw with Jacob's story, remember when he wrestled with God, that our faith is a desperate faith. When we stop and think about it, how desperately do you need God? I mean, life kind of goes along, we think we're okay, but if you stop and think, whoa, wait a minute. If, if I didn't have God in my life, if he stepped out of my life, how desperate would you be for him? You see, so our faith should be... Uh, there's a sense of desperation to it, not in a negative way, but in a positive, motivating way. And then we looked at the story of Joseph and all the things that happened in his life. We saw that faith is what enables us to persevere, seeing things the way they really are, understanding those things and trusting God in them. And so we persevere. Uh, and if without faith, it would be hard to persevere, wouldn't it? Really, really hard. And then last week we looked at Moses' story and saw that uh, all the things that he did in trusting God, that people could see those things and they were encouraged in their own faith because of it. Uh, and it was a contagious faith. And we saw that God intends for our faith to be seen, doesn't he? He intends for our faith to be able to be observed by other people and to be contagious and, and point them to faith as well. Well, today we're going to consider a little bit of the story of Joshua and how he led uh, God's people into the promised land. And we're going to talk about progressive faith, that the idea is that our faith should be progressing. It's a, it should be a regular, ongoing progression. It isn't like, oh, I got faith and I'm, I've got it, the end. Oh, no, no. It's a continuous, ongoing thing, a progressive faith. So let's go to the book of Joshua. And uh, most of what we need to find out from Joshua here today, we find in chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, page 245 in the Bible that's in the chairs there. So let me read through chapter 1 here. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore... Arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said 
to Moses. Now he says, go over this Jordan, you'll understand that, that they were, uh, had not crossed into what we would currently consider Israel today. They are still on the east side of the Jordan River. And so that is sort of a line of demarcation for, for them. And so he's saying, you gotta go forward. You're gonna lead it. Moses is gone, Joshua. You gotta go. You take the lead. I'm gonna do for you what I've promised to Moses as well. Verse four. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. I'm gonna sneeze. Excuse me. <laughs> Normally you put your hand over your mouth, but I put my hand over the mic. Okay. <laughs> Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Notice nobody's going to be able to oppose you and stop you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Well, wow, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? That shows up in the New Testament as well. Talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6, be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. The idea is we need to continue to read it, to talk about it. We need, it needs to be, those words need to be in our mouths. And he says, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? By the way, just a little note on the, the, uh, as we go by there. God seems to be saying, hey, the fact that I have commanded you is enough. Right? Sometimes we want more, don't we? We want some assurances, we want some promises, we want some rewards, we want to see it ahead of to whatever, but God seems to indicate, haven't I commanded you? Okay. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan, but you shall pass before your brother, brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them. Okay, so two and a half tribes, two and a half families of the Israelites here had already been given their land on the east side of the Jordan River, okay? But the deal was, hey, you're getting your land now. When it comes time for them to go into this land and take it, you have to go with them, okay? And so they have agreed to do that. Verse 15, he says, until the Lord, and you go do this, until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you, and they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. 
So they answered Joshua, saying, all that you command us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words and all that you command him shall be put to death. And then they say the same thing to him that God said to him. Only be strong and of good courage. Lead us with strength and courage. Now, we've been kind of looking at the Old Testament example of Scripture and sometimes it's very pointed about the issues we're talking about. This is a little bit different uh, today. Uh, and what we're, we're doing is we're looking at the Old Testament the way Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 when he says this, now all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition, for our understanding, for, to challenge us and to teach us. And so that is the way we are going to be looking at Joshua and his, what he was doing and our lives as Christians today. So the book of Joshua is sometimes called the Ephesians of the Old Testament. And here's why. What we read in the story of Joshua here is that God has said, hey, the land is yours. All that land that you're going to go in and walk around, that is yours. I'm giving it to you. You're going to be able to defeat the people who are there. We're going to, I'm going to drive out some of them for you. But it's, it's yours. But they're on the other side of the river. And what they have to do is they have to actually cross over the river. They have to believe God, don't they? Believe God, cross over the river, and begin the process of taking the land that God has said he's going to give them. So they have to believe what God has said is true and then act upon that and make progress, right? They go from one place to the next to the next and more and more take the land and it becomes more and more of a reality in their lives. Uh, and it's interesting that while they basically take the whole land, there were some places they didn't really do it completely. And it causes them some problems in, in life. And, uh, but so that's the picture. So examples for us. The book of Ephesians tells us all, a whole bunch of things that are true for us in Christ. Because we are in Christ, when we receive Jesus as Savior, right? Not only did we get him in us, but God takes us and puts us in him. And so we have things that are true about us because of that. One is that we are forever united with the Lord and will never be ununited. Okay? There's an interwovenness that will never be separated. Uh, the Bible says that we are made holy. I don't always feel so holy. Do I always look holy to you? No, wait, don't answer that. Okay? We aren't, but yet God says it's true. There's, a, there's truth there for me in that, that I am holy. He talks about, uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank here. <laughs> I could work my way through. Uh, he talks about living by grace. He talks about works that he has prepared for us. He talks about the love of Christ and what it does in our lives uh, and how it enables us to go deep and high and wide. Uh, so many things. So, but the reality is in the Christian life, God has done things for us with, that we must believe. See, he says, this is true for you. Well, I don't know. I have to go and live by it. It's like Joshua had to leave the people and said, okay, this area, let's take this area, so in my life. Okay, there's an area in my life that needs work and help. I have to believe God and go take that area. And so I, 
make progress and you, you grow in one area and then you build on that and, and grow into another area. And so the lessons we see from Joshua have some really good applications for us in our lives as Christians. All right. So let's look at Joshua back here in chapter one again. And let's remind ourselves what faith is. Living faith, when James talks about living faith, the kind of faith that we want to have, what do we see about that? It says here in chapter one, verse one, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. All right? So you remember when we talk about this living faith, that there's two aspects of it, and, and I'm talking about them in, in a, sort of in a separate way, but in reality, they, they exist. They're, they're all intertwined, okay? But there's something that you know. And for Joshua, what do we see? What did he know? That God had given him the responsibility to lead the people of God. And God had said, I want you to lead them into the promised land. And God had said, I'm giving that land to you. It's yours. Go take it. So Joshua knows these things. What does he have to do for this living faith to work? He has to do what? He has to make a decision to trust that that is true. And so there's this knowing things. And sometimes we use the word believe but what we really mean is no. And I say that because uh, there are times and places, I know in my life, and I'm sure it'll be for you too, I ask you, do you believe such and such? You go, yeah. And I say, well, are you living you like you believe that? Well, no. Well, why not? Well, see, it isn't really that you believe it, you know it, okay? But so we take this information, we know it. This is what God has said. And what am I gonna do about it? I need to trust him. And so this becomes this living faith. It's a faith decision. Okay, And so we see that right here in the beginning. That's what Joshua has to make. He has to make a faith decision. Here's what God has said. What am I going to do about it? Am I going to believe him and go forward on it or not? Now, here's a question for you. And Actually, let's, let's look at it here. Chapter 1, again, let's look at verses 2 and 3 again. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people. So who's supposed to do that? It's not a trick question. I know I'm notorious for that, but it's not a trick question. Who's supposed to do that? Joshua and the people of God, right? Okay. And he says, to the land which I am giving them. Who's doing that? God is doing it. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon. Who has to do that? God's people. And then I have given you. So he says, I've already given you the land. It's yours. So we have this idea of the, the God and us aspect. Sometimes people say, and I get where they're talking about, but I think it comes across wrong. And that's that God is the one who has to do everything. You know, God does it all. I just trust him. But isn't the reality that we are called to do some things? I don't think I'm being uh, heretical when I say that. 
So let's think about it. We look at what the scripture says. In the New Testament, Paul says this. He's being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will be what? Will complete it. Go ahead, if you would, to that verse, please. Philippians 1. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ. So who's, who's started this work in me? Who started the work in you? The Lord did, and we could probably talk and tell our stories about how that came about. He started this work, and who's going to complete the work? God is, and, and we can be confident in that? Yes, we can. Okay, that sounds like it's a God thing, doesn't it? The Christian life is a God thing. And, and it's, he kind of emphasizes this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, when he says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. This idea of sanctify, it's, it's, it's making you holy, it's taking all these things that are true and, and helping them to become a reality in your life. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. God thing, right? Well, so what's our thing? Is there an our thing? Sure there is. Our thing, we see here in, in Joshua, let's, let's go back there, verse one again, or chapter one, verse two. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people. That's what Joshua's supposed to do, isn't he? God said, I'm giving you the land. I've given it to you, and I'm going to give it to you. I'm taking care of that. You need to go over. Chapter, verse 10. We see what's Joshua do. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, pass through the camp and command the people, saying, prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And so Joshua is now doing what God has said. He's made that faith decision, right? Here's what God has said. Okay, we're going to trust it. We're going to do that. And he begins acting upon that, begins making the plans, begins communicating with whoever he needs to communicate with. Go over to chapter 4. This is the only time that we'll be in a different chapter in Joshua here today. And this is sort of the testimony, the reminding of Israel of what God has done for them. And, and they did cross the River Jordan and go into the Promised Land. But verse 23 of chapter 4, he says, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. So you can see that, that when God says something and he says, I'm going to do something, usually he tells us something for us to do as well. And so how do we talk about it then? Because how desperately are we dependent upon God? We said earlier today, right? How, how much do we, are we dependent on him? Can you change your own heart? No, you can't change your own heart. You can... Lean into God, but you can't change. God will change your heart. Can you change the circumstances of your life that are out here beyond you? No, you can't change those. There's so many things we can't do. We are so dependent on God, and yet there are things that we are supposed to do. And so let me just say it like this. What you're supposed to do is cooperate with God. Because we see this with Joshua's people. He says, the land is yours. You know, and really, I'm going to miraculously open up the river, but you got to go in. You gotta go in. 
You need to cooperate with me in this. What if they stood there and, and the, actually in the story, the water probably would have never parted. But what if they stood there and God parted the, the water and they just said, hmm, that's kind of cool. They wouldn't be cooperating, see. And so they would never experience uh, what God has for them. They wouldn't make progress in their lives the way the Lord intends for them to do. Now, the question is, how do we cooperate with God then? Well, we cooperate with God by making faith decisions. Faith decisions time and time and time again. You know, we, we know something now. We, we know something that God has said, and we make a decision to trust it and act upon it in our lives. That's faith decision. And we make faith decisions in these three big areas of our lives. We make faith decisions when it comes to surrendering to the Lord. We make faith decisions when we're talking about growing to be like the Lord. We make faith decisions when we're telling others about the Lord. And so we continually make, this is what God has said, okay, I'm going to trust and do. This is what God has said, I'm going to trust and do. I'm cooperating with him in this. Today, we're just going to focus in on the middle one. We grow to be like the Lord. Uh, because this idea of growth seems to, to click the easiest with this concept of progress. We're making, we're growing, we're making progress. And so God has given us three things that are essential to our growth. He's given us the word of God, he's given us the spirit of God, and he's given us the people of God. And we need all three of these. Now look at this, right here in the, the, this chapter here, uh, chapter one, back in chapter one. God has given him this big assignment. Verse seven. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. When he says law, what's he talking about? When we talk about the law, it's normally the first five books of the Bible. It's the, the books that Moses wrote and gave us. So that's probably what he's talking about here. Um, but we, by extension, talk about it as being what? The whole word, what God has given us. We have much more than Joshua had. We have the whole book. All right? So the word of God is central to this. And he continues, verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. This needs to be at the forefront of your mind, the forefront of your heart. The word of God is crucial for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success, okay? And so the Lord, we see the issue, um, for Joshua to make the progress that he's supposed to make with the people of God he must give the word of God this really important place in his life. Consider some of the things that the Bible says about the word of God. In James chapter 1, he says, Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save, I put in parentheses, sanctify your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You see what he says that the word of God will do for us? Now, he talks about save your souls, and I put sanctify there to, to try to clear this up. There's a sense in which um, the moment you receive Christ, are you saved? Is there anything that still needs saving? 
This is almost a trick question. Yeah, there is. Okay, because deep down in your spirit, that part of you that can have a relationship with God that was dead to God is now alive. It is there that you are holy. It is there that you are now loving. God has changed you forever there. His spirit has come to indwell you and your spirit. All right, when we think of your soul, this is your mind, how you think about things and your emotions, how you feel about things and and how you go about making choices and choices that you make. Did, Did that get changed completely when you got saved? Did it? No. no, not by a long shot. Some significant things change, but you, don't you every day find that, wow, I need to think differently about this? Wow, I, I'm not feeling right about this, and I should. Or I'm not feeling wrong about this, and I should, whatever. And I feel, so there's a sense in which our souls are still being saved. In other words, what God has done deep down inside us permanently forever should be working its way out into our lives. And so he says here that the word of God will do what? Be saving our souls. Bringing about those changes in our mind and our will and our emotions to match what he's already done for us deep down inside in the spirit. Okay? Um, And by the way, so our bodies are going to be saved someday. When we die, or if we died, and we were raised again, when God raised again, then the body will be saved. Uh, my body needs saving. Anybody here's a body needs saving? <laughs> All right. So that's still future tense. Uh, that's kind of, I didn't mean to get too far onto that sidetrack, but I want you to see this. The idea, he says, the implanted word. The implanted word. There's a sense in which God has implanted his word in us but there's a sense in which we also can implant his word. And it needs to be implanted. It needs to be implanted. Now, what if, it sounds really stupid, I know, okay, so just bear with me, but what if I took all the nutrition that I need each day and I put all that stuff in a blender and blended it up and then took a shower with it? How's that going to work? No, it has to go where? <laughs> it has to get inside. And so it is with the Word of God. It needs to get inside. Well, how do we do that? Well, I have an illustration that I've used for years, and so some of you have heard it. Bear with me. You may have forgotten parts, but remember, it's really good for yourself and to be able to explain to others. And that's how do you get a grip on the Word of God, okay? And by getting a grip on the Word of God, I could just as easily say, get, letting the Word of God get a grip on you. Okay, and get it down deep inside where it's going to change you from the inside out. And so we have here five fingers and the palm. Okay, so here's how I want to illustrate that. If you want the word of God to get a grip on you and you get a a real grip on the word, you need to hear the gospel or hear the word of God. Okay, and so I'm just going to say that's like just setting it in the palm of your hand. Now, how good of a grip do I have on it? Could it be knocked out pretty easy? Yeah, it could be knocked out, taken right away from me. Okay, I don't have a grip on it at all, but it's there. And that is good and important. And then we need to read the Word of God. And I say that's like taking one finger. And now I have it sitting on my palm and I have one finger. How good of a grip do I have on it? Not great, but I can hold it for a little while, right? Okay, so we're hearing it. And now we're reading it for ourselves. And then we study it. And that's where we take the next finger and we study the Word of God. 
And as we study it, that's where we're saying, what do these words mean? What does somebody else say about it? Huh? We can do this in a Bible study with other people. We can do this with tools for ourselves. But it's the idea of digging into God's word and say, what does it really mean? How does it apply to my life? Now, I have a better grip, don't I? Okay, much better grip. But still, we want to have the uh, ironclad grip on the word of God. So this is the one we, some of you are going to check out. Will you not? I'm going to ask you right now. Will you not check out? Huh? Don't check out. You need to do some memorizing of the word of God. Well, like you said, I can't do that, right? Well, I, I memorized a lot of scripture for a lot of years. And I've learned something now. I still remember most of it. I mean, when it comes up, oh, I remember it. I may not get every word, but I remember it well. Nowadays, I say, I want to memorize some more scripture, and I memorize it today, and I got it nailed down, and tomorrow I said, what verse was that? <laughs> that happened to you ever? So memorize again the next day, and the next day it's kind of like, well, I've, it was in the book of Ephesians. <laughs> I'm exaggerating a little bit, but the idea is that um, whether you can actually remember it the next day is not the point. It's the process of working to memorize it, trying to understand it, remember those words, and how do those words connect to each other, and you're, you're going through all this in your mind. You know what it is doing? Well, you may not be able to bring out the, the quote it, but it's changing the way that you see the world. It's changing the way you think, and it's getting implanted deep down inside of you where it can be saving that soul that needs to be saved, okay? All right, so we're going to work on memorizing it. And then we are also going to meditate on it. Now by meditate, uh, we don't mean sitting, you know, and going, hum. By meditating, we mean the idea of pondering it, thinking about it, and, and having conversation with God about it. Maybe bring it up, talk to him, but we're, we continue to think about it. Um, and the picture comes from the, uh, the sheep who ruminated on their food. You guys know what a ruminant is, ruminating? They have more than one stomach. And so they chew the food, and then they swallow it. Down it goes on the stomach. Well, they're sitting around later, and they say, hmm. And they go, Broop. Up it comes out of that stomach, and they chew on it some more. It goes back down into a, that stomach or a different stomach. I don't know how they decided how that works. But the idea is they keep bringing it up and chewing on it. And that's what you and I need to do with the Word of God. So we really digest it. It really gets in there. By amazing. Do you remember he told him to, to do these things? Oh, do these things and meditate on them. And you will have what? Success. You will prosper. You will be able to do what I've given you to do. All right. So here we are. I have a pretty good grip. Okay? Pretty good. But there's one thing that would make it even better. And this is you have to do it. And that's where I take that thumb and I get a hold of it like this. You'd have a really hard time getting this away from me right now. All right? I have a grip on God's word. It's got a grip on me. Hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, meditating, and doing. If you'll do that, work on that every day, just spend a little bit of time every day, it will change your life. And you will make progress. By the way, this is a faith decision to do this. Here's what God says about his word. He says, I need it. Here's what it will do in my life. Here's how I can take advantage of it. Here's how I can get a grip on it. All this kind of stuff. Okay, I'm going to what? Trust that what God says is true. I'm going to act on it. Faith decision. And you make this faith decision, you're going to make progress. 
You're going to make big progress in your life. Uh, Romans chapter 10, talking about the word of God, says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Okay, so God will stir up faith in us as we take his word into our lives. So the word of God, that is essential for us um, to make progress with our faith. And then the spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is, is obviously God Himself, and this is our personal relationship with Him. The Holy Spirit moves into us that moment we receive Christ as Savior. And this is when we kind of think, ooh, this is kind of woo stuff, but it's really not. The reality is, is I can't think of any place in the Scripture where God told me, hey, when the Spirit comes in, you're going to feel it. Now, Sometimes we get emotional in, you know, in our relationship with God, but he doesn't talk about that. Uh, he talks about the Spirit of God, um, just the fact that he is there and that he works. And so what do I have to, I have a faith decision to make when it comes to the Spirit of God, don't I? Here's what God says about the Spirit. He's here, here's what he's doing, here's what he wants to do in my life. I'm going to believe, I'm going to trust that. And I'm going to go forward with it. And so, like in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about the Spirit of God. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And so this is the idea my communications with God. I'm, I'm just going to believe that the Spirit of God is here. That the Spirit of God is helping me to pray like the Bible promises. Did you know that? The Bible says when you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit will pray for you. See, the Spirit, I, I'm going to believe that. I'm going to commune with God in it. Uh, John chapter 14 and 16, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. He will guide you into all truth. We're going to be in the Word, right? And we're going to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to take the Word of God and make difference in our lives with it. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 says, walk in the Spirit. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, how do you do that? Well, it comes down to those faith decisions and really... What is the Bible? Among other things, it is the sword of the Spirit. It is what the Holy Spirit uses in your life. And so the idea is that you're saying to God, okay, God, you've told me what's right here. you told me what's wrong here. Your Spirit is here. You want me to do what's right in, in, in this. And so I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to enable me to do this. And I make a choice and I do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see, I make a better choice. I make a right choice. Uh, and one of the very special things, Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the closest thing we might come to talking about a feeling, says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, how does that work? I don't know all the time. But there have been many a time when I found myself starting to feel discouraged, discouraged because of my own foolishness, discouraged because of other people's foolishness, and, and you wonder what's going on, and then to sit there with God open his word and just sit there and all of a sudden I just know he's not abandoned me. He's here. He is with me. What a blessing that is, isn't it? In those darkest of times, he says, no, I am with you. Now, one of the things that the Spirit of God does is he, he obviously he takes the word and highlights the word and helps with the word, but he also points us to each other. Because the moment I received Christ as Savior, the Spirit of God came to live within me. When all of everybody here who, who has accepted Christ as Savior, what happened the moment you received Christ? The Holy Spirit did what? Came and moved in. 
So the same spirit in me is in you, and we are all in this together. We're connected, aren't we? We really are, like it or not. <laughs> you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're connected to every other believer in Jesus Christ because of the spirit. So let's talk about the people of God and their role in our lives. Ephesians chapter four talks about when every part does its share, every part of the body, it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. All right? So when you do your part, what happens to other people? They get what? Built up. They get strengthened. They get encouraged. When you're being faithful to do what God has given you to do. Uh, and then he talks about that we need to, on purpose with each other, get together and focus on our lives as Christians. First Thessalonians chapter five, he says, therefore comfort one another, edify one another, which means to build each other up. And so we need on purpose, be working to build each other up. This is how we're gonna make progress, see? And we make progress in our lives as Christians. And then Ephesians chapter four, in a more formal sense, the, the big church, okay, all of us together. It, uh, the Bible says that he himself, God, gave some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So it's, there is an extended family that you have. And we get together for a family reunion every week, at least every week. And so it's the idea of having a connection. So it's you as an individual with other people, it's you and I together on purpose, working to help each other grow, and then it's the whole body together. All of these things. Now, you think it's always going to be easy then to make progress? I've laid it out, right? It's easy, easy stuff. No, there will be obstacles. What do we do with the obstacles that come into our lives? Well, let's ask. Go ahead and go to that slide if you would. What, did um, Joshua and Israel have any obstacles? You may not know the story, but the very first obstacle is that they have to cross this river that's at flood stage. How in the world will we do that with all our people and everything, all our stuff? That was an obstacle. Uh, how about the walls of Jericho? By any human reasoning, insurmountable. Couldn't, couldn't scale this wall, there was no way. They had obstacles. And what we saw is that God worked miracles for them. Now, so here's what I want you to think about with respect to obstacles. God will do what you cannot, but you must do what you can. And when it came to crossing the River Jordan, God said, have the priests walk forward and keep walking. And when their foot touches the water, I'll start to part it. They had to do what they could do. When it came to, to the walls of Jericho, walk around it, right? Every day. And then on the seventh day, walk around it seven days. Oh, that's going to solve the problem. Well, no. But God did what he could do, but they had to do what they could do. That doesn't take away from faith and doesn't take away from our dependence on God. In fact, if God says, okay, well, there's big things here you don't even see, you don't even know what's going on. I'm working in big and powerful with miraculous. But here's what I want you to do. I want you just to walk down this path. All right, don't be fooled. The idea if I say, okay, God, and I make this faith switch and I walk down this path, I am walking down this path because I depend on God. Not because I'm self-sufficient. You know, you can try that. It won't work. It won't work in your life. Don't be. We do these things because we depend on God. And then, this is, I guess I sort of just said this. You cooperate by making faith decisions. And you will make progress. 
hugest obstacles in your life, you look at them, they could be health issues, they could be relational issues, they could be financial issues, career issues, whatever kinds of issues, you obstacle. This is a huge obstacle. You're going to say, well, what has God told me to do from his word here right now? That's what I can do. And I'm going to believe God and trust I'm going to go and do that. So obstacles can't stop you. Sometimes the biggest obstacle you, you may feel is yourself. And I don't want anybody to raise their hands here, but how many times have you found yourself, Hebrews talks about the sin which so easily besets us. Have you found yourself, I've sinned again and I can't believe it. It's hard to even, there is no hope for me. It's not true, is it? It isn't true. And you will fail. And there will be times you won't make the faith decision. And there will be times you'll walk down the path self-sufficiently, not even thinking about depending on God. That stuff's going to happen. And when it does, you're going to say, oh, wow, wait, what do I know? I know that God said, I still got stuff I need to work on. I still have sin problems in my life. Okay, I know he said, that. I know he said he's already forgiven me. Jesus paid that debt in full. I don't ever have to pay it. And, and he says that if I will, you know, just admit this, he's going to not only forgive, but he's going to clean me up and I can go on and say, okay, so I'm going to what? Make a faith decision and do that. So don't get all focused on your past. Failures are success. Learn from your past failures. Learn from your past success and then leave them behind and go forward. That's what you got to do to make progress, to make progress. Now, let me close with this, the importance of progressing in faith. It is so, so important. First one is this, progressing, progress in your faith is essential for pleasing God. First week, first sermon, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. And so he's not talking about, did you have faith back there somewhere on this timeline? He's talking about now. I need faith now to please him. So I need to be making progress in my faith, continue to come to these faith decisions and make that faith decision. Uh, the second thing, it's important because if you're not making progress, you're actually losing ground. If you can envision, it's, it's like you're trying to push a car up an incline, you're trying to push it up. And if you stop pushing, what's it do? Sit there and wait? No, what's it do? It begins going the other direction again. And that's the way it is in our lives. Okay, we're either making progress, we're making these faith decisions, and we're growing because of it. And let me just say real quick, do you understand that when you make a faith decision and you, you trust and you make another faith decision and you trust and you begin to build those up in your life that sometimes I got a faith decision to trust and this one's easy. Why? Because I've done this with God time and time again and he's always been faithful. So see, we make progress and we grow in those things. Uh, these faith decisions, making progress is like chemo for your soul. Because there is this sin aspect that's still there that you're having to work out. And uh, when those faith decisions, making progress, it's like killing cancer. It's like killing sin. But if you stop, it comes back. All right? So you want to keep making progress. And then the third one. Today's progress may be tomorrow's deliverance. Let me show you something. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 
And we'll, we'll, we'll end with this. Page 1318 in the Bible that's in the chairs there. This is the same chapter that says that, that we looked at earlier when it said that all these things happen for examples, so we would learn from them. Let me just really encourage you here why it's important that you make progress today. Verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you such, except such as is common to man. So a couple things. This temptation uh, could mean a testing, trials, tribulation, testings. But when we have those kinds of temptations, we're also then what? Tempted to respond sinfully. So whether we're talking about a temptation to sin or a temptation that's a trial and tribulation in our lives, the truth is still here. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Boy, that's a precious promise, isn't it? But here's the thought. When, when is God providing that way of escape? There may be times, and I think it happens with God is gracious, when things are out of our control and we aren't aware and we find ourselves all of a sudden we are someplace and, oh no, what do I do? How do I respond to this? And I want to respond in a way that's not sinful. And God enables a way somehow for that. But I would say to you that I am convinced that there are things that are coming in our lives. Here's the timeline of our lives. And down here is a major temptation that's coming, a major trial and tribulation, or a major, maybe a major temptation that's going to pull me toward sin. And, and it's coming. And if I live like, oops, no big deal, God's going to provide me a way of escape, right? Oh, here I am. I fall. What happened? Well, here's what happened, is that you're back here in your life, and God said, you know, you need to be in my word today because there's some things you need to learn, some things you need to understand, something that needs to happen in your heart, okay? And there are people of God that you need to connect with. And there's this, you need to pursue your relationship with me and the spirit of God. And what you don't understand is that if you'll do that today, and where it's going to lead, when this temptation comes, you'll be able to escape it. Why? Because I provided you the way today. Are you following that? So an illustration would be like this. If you knew that you had to lift an extremely heavy weight, and it was possible, but not the way you are right now, okay? You knew you had to, and, and you say you knew six months in advance, and you wait till the day of. Oh, oh, I can't lift it. But if you had worked out back here and worked out back here and worked out back here, when you got here, you'd have been able to what? Lift it. And I'm trying to tell you, I think that's what happens in our lives as Christians sometimes. That each and every day, we need to be working out the Word and people and, and the Spirit, making faith decisions, making progress. So that when that day comes, you've already taken advantage of the way of escape. Today may be the way of escape for something that's coming your way today. I mean, it's coming in the future. Today's the day. 
All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. And I, I pray, Father, that you will help us to, um, to really take that in today and consider that it's so important that we make progress today. And Lord, thank you that you didn't say be perfect today because uh, you know us. But thank you also, you said make progress. You know we can do that. We can make those faith decisions and trust you. And I pray, Father, we'd see that, that each and every day we need to make progress, knowing that uh, someday we'll be in places that you have led us and enabled us because we have been faithful to make progress. We want to honor you with this, Lord. I pray that if we next summer were to look back on this year, that it'll be so clear that we have done the things we needed to do to make progress that honors you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.